Welcome to Literaturely, a podcast about teaching literature. I'm Margaret Mock. And I'm Paige Wallace. And today we are continuing our conversation about coursey vowels and how we can make them more productive for our pedagogy. So in our last episode, we talked just about how we initially process our evals, the negative ones, the positive ones, everything in between. But today we're gonna talk about how to make them productive for our future classes. Yeah, and so we are gonna maybe talk about some methods we've used to put evaluations to work for us, but also um, brainstorm some ideas, which we kind of touched on in the last episode Mm -hmm. of how we can use feedback more productively. And we have our same panel of guests joining us. Um, Janine, do you want to start off by introducing yourself again? Sure. Hi, my name is Janine Ortega. Uh, I'm from Orlando, Florida, and I'm a fourth year PhD student here at Florida State University. And my focus is on Latinx literature, with a minor in media studies. Thanks. Hey, um, my name is Oluwa Funke Ogunia. I'm from Nigeria. Uh, I'm a fifth-year PhD student here at uh, Florida State University, and I'm focusing on Africana women's writing and folklore. Thanks for having me. Hi, I'm uh, Alex uh, Rusenberger, and I'm uh, here at FSU as well, a fourth-year PhD student, uh, and my specialties are world lit, and my minor is... uh, critical theory and I'm happy to be here. And we're really excited to continue this conversation. Um, We already have said this, but I really feel like this conversation so far has been really helpful for me to think about um, course evals and what I might do in the future. So I'm ready and like raring to go to keep talking about this topic with you all. Yeah. Um, Oh, sorry, Margaret. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, 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 no. I was just like chomping at the bit. So I was but you you go ahead. <laughs> well, I was going to dive in too. So um, I guess I was thinking about when Margaret and I were planning this episode, we were chatting about how often we return to past evals, right? So this idea of, you know, you get your evals maybe a few weeks or a month after the class ends. Um And then they collect dust in your office, if you're me, right? So this episode gave me the opportunity to kind of go back through evals that I hadn't looked at for years um, and to kind of see like the progression of like what kind of feedback I got and maybe improvements or things that are still, that I still definitely need to work on. So I'm wondering if you guys, like, do you revisit your evals? Like, is that something... Cause I feel like before this, I just, I did not like to be completely transparent. Like after that first initial look after the end of the semester, I'm like, I don't know, I'm done with these. <laughs> um, and so I'm curious to hear like what you guys do. I mean, uh, when I, it was easier when I used to keep them in like a, a desk, like in the, when they used to have the physical evals, they don't do that anymore, but I used to be able to keep them in my desk in the office. And then if I just open that drawer, I could be like, oh, here they are. And I could start <laughs> going through them again. But now it's a little, it's a little harder because they're all uh, uh, obviously digital now and they come in kind of like a file and it's sort of a, a different mm-hmm. experience. They're not as, you know, they're not as like, you don't get each individual one as much. But um, I did, I do go back and revisit them every now, probably not as often as I should, but every, every year or so I go back and usually when I get the new evals, I go back and revisit the old ones. Right. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and the reason is, is to see sort of what's changed to see what's new. Like I said, um, I think my best example, I mentioned this last time was the workshops. 
it was one thing I pretty much unanimously got bad, not from every email, but every email that talked about the workshops pretty much unanimously didn't like them. Uh, and, uh, and it's because I didn't really, I kind of knew that. I kind of knew in myself that I didn't really feel like the workshops are working that well. I didn't really have my heart in it. And I feel as though um, when the students were able to tell me that, I was able to say, oh, so it's bad for you too. <laughs> I need to do something to change it. And I feel like that's the real value of the evals is to, is to realize uh, this, their sort of what they see on their end. Um, because sometimes too, I feel things are bad and actually it's working pretty well for them. Like, um, you know, like the, the, they seem to be, you know, one thing I always worry about is like, for example, in evals, I always worry about, um, you know, we do conferences and we do individual feedback with students and we meet with them for 15 minutes. Uh, I do that a lot for my introduction to writing courses. And um, I always thought, oh, you know, I always feel like I'm kind of winging this. I don't really know what exactly, but they unanimously tell me too that those are some of their favorite parts of the class or some of the parts that are at least the most helpful to them for writing papers. Um, and they, 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 they like the feedback they get. And I've certainly get better at it over time. But one thing evals do show you is they show you, if, if you look at all of them, they show you a trend. They show you how you're doing on certain things. And if you ask students to write about things in the class, you, know, you, you prep the evals well, then you can see kind of what, um, what is working and what isn't in the class from their perspective, mm -hmm. which is really nice. Because some people, like I've had other, I've eliminated, for example, one thing that I did with the evals was I used to do student presentations like with a PowerPoint and I scrapped that PowerPoint because students didn't like the PowerPoint. They, they liked maybe aspects of the presentation, you know, but they wanted a more casual presentation where they presented ideas rather than doing this PowerPoint thing. And, and so, you know, it was unanimous. And so I kind of scrapped that idea and the evals helped me determine yeah. that. So. Janine, how often do you tend to return to past evals or, or do you return to past evals ever or is it kind of moving forward? <laughs> Uh, admittedly, when I first started teaching, um, and this is after I finished my, my master's program, because I, I got the opportunity to do my master's and then teach, solely mm -hmm. teach for like two years. And it was very harrowing in terms of there is no like formal training for teaching mm -hmm. in higher education. So it's kind of like, and because everyone's experience is so unique, kind of like what Alex was saying, you're just and everyone here is also saying you're kind of just bad and then you kind of learn from that. So I, I had a lot of uh, kind of anxiety and trepidation to having to, you know, click that link or look at the piece of paper, uh, especially as someone who brings a lot of enthusiasm and care to like mm -hmm. wanting to design a class. Uh, it's kind of, it's difficult to be starting off and to be like, you know, I want to do a good job with this, even though I don't know exactly what I'm doing. Uh, I've had, I had mentors tell me, you know, fake it till you make it. But it's it's something where it's kind of a little bit, like, I didn't know when I, when I first came here that they uh, would tell me that when you're on the job market, you will be asked for evaluations. And I was like, oh my gosh, really? <laughs> <laughs> so that was really interesting. But then further down the, uh, along the line, I was able to learn that the best thing the evaluation can give you is feedback on your curriculum. What can you do uh, to help make your course more salient or your teaching style more legible for me that was a huge help because you know students told me what assignments they liked if I, they liked if i used videos or not um, they like to be engaged in the class so that was something that i was able to say okay you know more of this less of that because i i do to go back to the previous analogy you know that that first week it's kind of like they want the money up front they want to be able to see the class as something that has a clear trajectory and they want to see those, you know, assignments, those instructions, just to have a limit for where to put mm -hmm. their efforts. And so I was able to appreciate that more with time. So something that's 
occurring to me as we're talking between Alex and Janine, what you guys are saying. So Alex, like you talked about this move to the digital format and how that's changed the way we process. And it got me thinking mm -hmm. about how we lose those individual files that it's, it's all like the summary of everything. So then it's harder to match the comments to the uh, quantitative numbers, which for me makes it more difficult to tell with certain written feedback, the qualitative, how is that matching up with those numbers? But um, Janine and what you're saying with like the specific assignments, because for all of that, I use that with the paper um, evals to determine like which specific assignments were working well for what type of students um, to help me gauge like how effective is this? Is this a matter of not wanting to do the work or not wanting to do this type of work? Because if it's this type of work, I can, you know, start thinking about alternatives. But if it's just work, period, that's a different story. So have you guys had to develop different techniques for filtering digital feedback than you used for the paper feedback? Um, I know that that's a very specific question, but I was just interested because that's something I know I've been struggling with to figure out how do you read a, a cumulative file versus a series of individual um, files. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, th I think it I does. Okay. I still feel it's, it's the same thing because um, the paper evolves, they, they compress them into this PDF format. Mm -hmm. I think to me, I, I feel it's still the same thing. Because, yeah, it's still the same. So you still get the same, for me, I still get the same feeling, you know, from the paper one to the digital. It's so, still the same. So Margaret, I, I want to understand what you're, you were saying there. So like, let's say that you are looking at a paper eval and it's obviously anonymous, but it's a student, you know, like it asks you like, how do you feel about the instructor versus like, uh, how do you feel about the content? And then what's your grade in this class? And then you flip mm -hmm. it over and you can see what they say qualitatively. Right. Mm -hmm. And so if you flipped it over on that quantitative side and they said, this was, you know, I strongly disagree that the instructor knew what they were doing and I strongly disagree that the content was useful and I also have an, a D in the class. Then when you flip it over to look at that qualitative, do you, do you sort of filter that more, right? Like if they say sort of really critical, if they have a really critical feedback, do you pair that with the, the stuff that's on the front and say, well, that's a student who did not want to do the work for whatever reason or clash with me personally for whatever reason. And, I, and I'm not as married to what they have to say in their qualitative section. Is that sort of? Yeah. Or even like if a student, the numbers they're giving you are, you know, appropriate, like they don't have to be all five, but like, they're not just giving you straight ones. I hate this. I hate this. I hate mm -hmm. this. And then at the end, like, cause one of the last times I taught women in lit, it was that I still had the paper evals. One of the requests that came up a few times was cutting one of the novels and they made it clear. They didn't care which one. They just felt that we had done one too many. So we had to rush, but because it they were satisfied with the class overall. I knew it wasn't a matter of when, when, when they were saying less reading, it wasn't just, I hate reading less reading. It really was this conscious, like, I think if we had a little less reading, we'd be able to go deeper. Um, mm -hmm. And I was able to pull that out. There was like 
two or three who made that explicit, but then there were maybe a few more who just said less reading. And, but because of the numbers, it was, I was able to put that mm -hmm. as part of a trend rather than students just wanting less work. And similarly, I had students who maybe gave me some lower numbers, but then said they liked one of, they liked the uh, series of essays that we did, which, mm -hmm. uh, Alex, like you, it was one of those things I was surprised they had liked it because <laughs> I thought, oh, this is so much work. They're going to hate it. But then even the students who were less enthusiastic felt it really helped them work through their ideas and was really productive and useful. So it was like, okay, so this isn't just the students who are, know that they're going to get an A being like, yeah, I like this project that helped me get an A. Um, so both sides of it, it just helped me understand the patterns of the feedback rather than seeing it all lumped together if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. and, and so, yeah, now that I, I just get the digital files, it's harder for me to understand the, the perspective that the qualitative feedback is coming from. There's, the, there's something that I've, I've also been alluding to that is kind of weird about the digital files is, uh, and, and, and you know, besides the loss of the romanticism of collecting the pencils and <laughs> everyone to turn it in the time, you know, into, into the right place, you know, there's a kind of cool challenge in that. But basically, um, which is the, is the uh, and it's something that, that's not talked about, I think, it's something that at least the administration gives us no advice on, and I've, I've had to learn on my own, which is what, what, kind of, what kind of things do I say before I leave the classroom, like the moment before, you know, and that's really, important. Uh, and and some, some people will probably say really nice things like, you know, you guys are all really great. We've had a great time. Remember that when you fill out your email? No, <laughs> but like, but also like just the ability to say things like, uh, you should take your time and do this. And this is very serious. And, and giving me that feedback on the back and remembering, I say, let me walk you through what we did in, in this class, mm -hmm. remembering all the assignments just so you can, you can take your brain back and go, what, what happened and, and, and what assignments did we do and how, you know, the students are getting some kind of, and I feel as though the, the digital evals, I've gotten way less feedback. Mm -hmm. I've gotten mm -hmm. like, I, like, I've gotten numbers, sure, but I've, I haven't gotten this, uh, you know, writing about the assignments like you guys were talking about, you know, like, oh, mm -hmm. I learned that this assignment was bad. Well, primarily it's because I learned that because I asked the students to say, hey, you should write about the assignments and like <laughs> eat your emails. Uh, tell me what you think, because it's really helpful. Um, and I feel, like, um, I feel like that's a hard one. I don't know how to navigate that one yet. I don't know because it comes at a random time and it's still a mess. I'm still trying to figure that one out. Um, how to give them that, that, that good prep that does allow for later, you know, what we're talking about, good, good ways to yeah. use the emails. Janine, were you gonna say something? Yeah, I, I I just want to agree and and, and thanks Alex for for that explanation because I, I think yeah there is there is a certain kind of I mean given this current situation where we're very limited in terms of what kind of classroom experiences we can offer students, uh, but there is a certain magic loss to being able to kind of and and I think that's a great approach that Alex is describing where it's kind of like here's what we've talked about you know please take time to reflect on this and and finish, you know, this course by giving this feedback. Um, whereas a digital format, it's kind of like, they're kind of oversaturated with all of these moments where, you know, the computer and, and Zoom and, mm. um, or even if they were just to transition it to being purely electronic, the, I mean, the temptation is to just be like, okay, click, 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 you know, I know that you are prompted to fill out those um, feedback uh, surveys or you cannot access your canvas. 
So it's kind of like you're being forced to. And it's just like, if it were me and I was a student, I'd be like, let me finish this as quick as possible and get it out of my way because I need to look at my class. Right. So there's a certain quality yeah, lost. And, yeah. And to add on to that, um, I think it's a little bit, um, a little bit complicated in the sense that, you know, when we have the paper evals, it's usually the last day of classes and you must have taught everything, but now it comes probably a few weeks to the end of the semester. And if you have a bad week or a bad teaching that day, you understand what I mean? Like yeah. that might influence what the student might write about you. Because it's it's very funny the way these kids, it's funny the way they evaluate their professor or they read, you know, the class or something. It's based on probably something at the moment, just like some of you mentioned earlier, if they have issues with Zoom or anything. Some of them will not even go there. You know, they won't even attempt to do because they feel, oh, I have time for better things or like that. But if they have to come in and do it, it's usually the last day of class, probably when the assignment is due and they have to be in class and they have to participate in it. So I believe that is a little bit more effective, you know, because you'll be able to, some of them or most of them, they'll be able to put in, they'll be able to genuinely, you know, evaluate the class than doing it online. And just like Margaret said, it gives you this feeling of how to look at the class, the one you've thought, comparing the rating with the comments rather than compressing everything together as just one document. Yeah. So this kind of is leading to a, a bigger question of, is there a way then as, to, so we're not getting trapped into the digital, <laughs> we can't control the, these evaluations. Is there a way that we can solicit feedback throughout the semester that would still be meaningful and effective. And we talked a little bit about this in the last episode and, and the problems of like keeping it anonymous, but I didn't know if y'all have any other kind of thoughts on that. I mean, oh, go ahead. I mean, I've done it, I've done it before. It's, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's actually easier to do in the classroom usually, but I don't know how you do it digitally because usually in the classroom I go, okay, this is a private space. You're not posting on a Canvas discussion board. So you right. can say what you want and, and we'll walk out of here and you know, it's not bugged. Yeah. <laughs> walk out of, hopefully. Yeah. Right. And, and you walk out of here and, and, and it can be something that you can say and then leave. And then I can, I'll, I have a notepad. I take my notepad out. That's a sign. Like, I like that. I like to take a notepad. I'm going to write down some of what you said, right? <laughs> I'm going to write, well, you know, not word for word, but I'm going to write down some notes. And I feel, I feel like they like that. They like me saying that I'm looking at you. I'm looking at them now. I got my notepad out. Yeah. I'm like, okay. I, and I'm right. not responding to I'm not saying, oh, well, you're wrong. You know, I don't, like, no, I'm actually just listening to them and then the next person right. goes. And, and sometimes, that, sometimes that works pretty well, depending on the class. I mean, so some classes that they don't do as much of it, but some classes they do it pretty well. Um, I just, yeah, I don't know how to deal with a situation where we're sort of losing power over the evals. Mm -hmm. I don't mean power as in the power to change the opinions, but power to, <laughs> to, to, to administer frame them. it. Yeah, to right. frame it, to help us, to help us work, make it work for us. So I don't know, anyways, but that was my, my two cents on that. Yeah, I, I really like that that process, Alex, of having students, you know, as a group talk to talk you through how their experience was and like being like an active listener during that um, so that they know you're hearing them. Um, it's something that I have been doing since we switched to mostly online is um, making sure that there's a conference at the very end of the semester. So um, so that we can have that chance to chat about what worked for them and what didn't work for them. And, you know, 
it's a little bit more overwhelming, I think, for them sometimes to have to say like, well, this didn't work for me when it's a one-on-one -on -one conference. So that's mm -hmm. not a perfect sort of solution, but you do have some students that will be pretty candid with you and open as long as you present like a, a, a you know, a listening environment where they feel comfortable mm -hmm. that they'll tell you like, you know, I didn't really like this or the textbook mm -hmm. didn't work for me or something like that. And I like that. I think that there's value in having anonymous evals, which we talked about earlier, but mm -hmm. then also there is something about that personal like inner exchange between you and a student where they can tell you like this worked and this did not work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You had something to do you were going to say before I talked. Oh, uh, I, I was just going to agree with what you guys are saying in terms of, I, I think that it is the case that we do have these kind of moments these sort of little informal moments of evaluation where when you do have the opportunity during conference or just one-on-one -on -one where you can like, you're providing a moment where you're listening to a student and kind of seeing how their experience in the class is going. And I, I feel like that's something a student would value the most that like they're being heard and taken seriously. So I guess it, there is that moment where they're kind of being robbed of something where it's like, okay, I'm going to leave the room. It's kind of like that moment from everyone's school experience where the teacher leaves the room and then everyone can kind of talk freely and have an opinion. And, and it's hard to replicate that kind of environment, I guess. Right. There's also the nice thing that I, that's occurring to me when you guys are talking about conferencing, like that individual conferencing, that that and anonymous evaluations are nice because it's the student's own experience and understanding of the class versus sometimes when we talk about the course with our students, what, whichever student talks first, whether they're having a positive or negative experience in the classroom, it sets the tone, like that mm -hmm. students' experiences can silence other students' experiences. Um, so I know like as, as a student myself, being in a classroom and when the teacher leaves the room and someone says, oh, so we're all gonna give this teacher a good evaluations or, oh my God, this teacher sucked, right? <laughs> everyone, everyone just agrees with that first student. <laughs> And um, I mean, it doesn't mean that they're writing down the same things, but right. you don't want to be the odd person out with your opinion. So that right. can sometimes make it hard to assess, I think, along the way. Um, but I mean, I, I have no idea what happens when I leave the room, but I, I usually <laughs> tell them not to talk to each other. <laughs> but I imagine that that happens. Yeah, I've, I've no, yeah, it's interesting. I'm just remembering, I'm, the thing I miss most about leaving them in the room is that I would do it on the last day, like you said, Funke, and I would tell them goodbye forever. <laughs> like, I, and that was partly just to get them like with the course evals, like this isn't going to affect your relationship with me. Like the class right. is over. Right. Your grades are in, right? What you feel, but yeah. Um, you know. Funny enough, some of them would come back and take your class. Yeah. <laughs> so like you again. Yeah. For, for you all who have um, gotten feedback throughout the semester, how did you incorporate it? Like, did it ever lead you to change an assignment or change an assessment or change the readings? Definitely. I, I think with the feedback, is, it's kind of giving a good, it usually it helps provide me a limit or kind of um, a balance of kind of where my my energy was or where my focus was with a certain assignment and be able to shift it like sometimes 
I'm a fan of of doing group work and I'm a, a fan of fostering group discussion and sometimes I have a good deal of introverts and they would prefer mm-hmm. not to have that style and so it's like okay I need to do something a little different and so I, yeah. I appreciate that feedback. Yeah me too um there was a time um I think I got the eval that I always make my opinion count more than theirs mm-hmm. so um I had to incorporate more of like a discussion board forum and they really appreciated that like rather than me coming to class and talking, talking, talking. So I also create an avenue for them to interact with each other. I just sit, sometimes I come in and sometimes I don't. I just want them because some of them can really talk in class, like talk, like face the camera and talk. So they prefer to, you know, put their voice down through writing. And I really appreciated that as well. Like, so in all my class, I always make sure there's a room for a discussion board forum for them to interact with each other mm. on a subject. Yeah. That's interesting. Alex, how, how, what kind of changes have you made? Because you were nodding in too. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, one of the things that I think, first of all, the sign that I need to make a change is when I get multiple. I usually look for uh, not just one, but multiple students are in agreement about something in the, you know, usually in the eval that something is wrong and, I, and i've talked about some of them already kind of but there's sort of like you know things like these workshops didn't work or these specific assignments were not uh, effective or not educational or you know the students generally are generally when i'm getting multiple students saying the same thing saying the same thing same thing when i do in-person non-anonymous feedback it's the same thing like i might have one student who really doesn't like something but usually i look for like some agreement on that some mm-hmm consensus because I don't want to make it I don't want to make too many drastic changes just because one student maybe didn't like an assignment that's it's usually not but usually when I when I get a, a feeling on and that's why the uh, non-anonymous group feedback can be valuable for the same reason that Margaret you said maybe you hate it is also <laughs> that also that they can begin to like all nod their heads and go oh yeah that assignment was was utter crap yeah and so I go, okay it was and then i have to write that down and then i begin to think about right and they usually tell me and then also really valuable this is why this feedback works really well i can say why mm-hmm. and they can, and they can begin to to explain which is something you can't do on on the uh feedback you can't you want to you want to write it in there you know, why <laughs> i didn't learn anything why uh and 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 you can't you can't get that kind of reaction and so it's always nice when students do that but you really do have to like we already said you really do have to work to provide them a space where you're going okay i'm not going to judge you right now it's not right. going to affect your grade it's totally mm-hmm. just for me uh and and um once you walk out of the room i'll i'll, I'll you know i'll i won't personally attribute that yeah. to you <laughs> Um, and that's that's a hard thing to do. But if if you can do it and they believe it, then they'll then they'll share their thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. Do any of you? So Paige and I have talked about this. I think one on one before. But um, the use of reflection at the end of the semester, so different reflective activities. And I know I've incorporated some like small group reflective activities and individual. But have you ever used? Any sort of, of those sorts of assignments that worked really, really well for you? Or is this, okay, cool. Um, I know I was, I think I was borrowing from another syllabus that I, uh, that I looked at. And the person had included uh, paper reflections. So mm-hmm. this is for the, I think it's the ENC 1101 or 2135, where part of the, the process was also uh, writing the reflection. Um, and I would immediately go to those reflections. 
um, to kind of more than in, like, I want to say like 99.9% of the time, what they were actually trying to communicate and what they were actually trying to say appears in the reflection. Mm. And not so much in the space where they're supposed to have this kind of formal academic check all the boxes language. Mm-hmm. And, and it would always bum me out in the way that it's like, if we had just talked about this, or if we had, <laughs> you know, if you had wanted to include this language in the actual essay, you know, I, I would have been, you know, this would have been better. Yeah, one thing I also did in addition to what you said, Janine, is um, like end of semester reflection. Mm-hmm. So um, the last, the class I taught in um, in summer, summer B, I made them do like a Padlet. So they reflect on the readings and also reflect on the, you know, the course it's as a whole. Mm-hmm. So that gave me like, you know, an overview of how they feel about the class itself, about the readings, about everything, the instruction, what they learned and all that. So, yeah, so with that, I was able to, okay, I can take these, I can use this in my, you know, prepare for my future classes, or this is something I cannot change. And this is totally different from, you know, the eval that we get from the university. So, yeah, so that's also like a, a good strategy you know end of semester reflection when you guys do like reflection activities i know like in the past i've asked them like when they're small groups to discuss whether or not they thought the course overlooked anything and this was better for like the literature classes um so like what sort of themes or topics do you think we should have covered that we didn't or what assignments would have helped you understand the materials that we didn't do um and i do that because I don't feel like that's reflected in the standardized course evals. There's not like a question of like, what else do you wish you had learned? Um, but I didn't know, like, do you guys look for anything like specific like that, that you feel isn't reflected in those standardized course evals? Or do you tend to leave it more open-ended? I, I, I've even got as so far as to ask too, what alternative or texts would you have used or would you thought we could have used? Uh, and I've actually read books solely on student recommendations oh, cool. so, yeah yeah that I was like oh well that's very interesting because like you know they uh you know they have connections they're making with the the text I'm assigning them and so they mm-hmm. I get alternatives which are very which are very interesting right. sometimes what they think of um as as being alternative so in that respect yes I, I really agree yeah I like that question a lot right like just like what I feel like I want to add to my final reflections like what what should I read Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. What did they have you read? I'm curious now. Yeah. yeah. Well, like, don't you want to know what? Yeah. Well, I mean, like one one book that I like uh, one book that I can't remember what class it was for, but I remember reading The Bluest Eye, and I think it was for something to do with aesthetics and beauty, and it was a really. Uh, I, the, the student was using samples of that book in their paper, and I was really mm. impressed with the writing. And then, uh, and then, and then they said too, you know, this is a book, some kind of evaluation or something like that. They said this is a book that I feel like would really fit this class. Mm. And I was like, and and from then on, I taught the class with that book. So, cool. oh, yeah, so that worked out really well. That's awesome. uh, after I read it, yeah. I think to kind of. Not to, not to contradict, but I, I think I, I kind of want to go in an opposite direction, but it's kind of like, um, like my, my focus is Latinx literature. 
Uh, and it's a really funny way to have to talk about your specializations. And also, like, we're always told, you know, if you're going to teach the course, always include some of your discipline in it because, you know, that's how you're making it work for you. And sometimes uh, I would have to explain kind of like, why did I pick these books? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, why, why are we reading this if this is an American literature class? Yeah. And it's like, because it's American literature. <laughs> it is actually American literature. So, um, so, um, but maybe I should include that to just be able to ask the question, like, what would you prefer I talk about? But at the same time, I've, I've had students, you know, be enthusiastic to be able to read something that's entirely yeah. different. Like recently I taught Mad Seagrest's uh, Memoirs with Race Trader. I had some mm-hmm. students in the class who really liked that book. Others were uncomfortable, but, you know, I, I'm glad I included it. Yeah. yeah so this feels like so- a perfect time to ask you guys what your dream courses are what do you think margaret yeah that, yeah. that sounds good to me so i think page two i i'm getting mealy mouth now towards because we're towards the end of this but do we want to go first to model it or do we put them uh, on the spot the way we always put I, each other on the spot i think if you ask me now i'm gonna be on the spot because i did not uh, <laughs> plan one i just thought that we would hear from these guys yeah that mm-hmm. sounds good who wants to share their dream course first? <laughs> um, I guess I can go first if no one has an idea. First of all, not to give a, a, a two answer, but like it's, I think my perfect course would, will change as I continue teaching because I, I think my goals will, will shift. I think maybe originally it's like, I, I want to make it through the class uh, vertically and, and be understood. But I think now, I, like, for example, I have the opportunity to teach a film genres class, and I, I am finding it very rewarding to be able to say, you know, we're, we're not going to be kind of reading novels in a traditional manner. We are going to be considering visual texts and analyzing mm. them as such. And so I think it, it's a really great opportunity for me uh, to kind of, as a person who favors visual thinking, to be like, how, how can I make this um, kind of more approachable by my students and also kind of validate that it's like when you go to the movies you can use these same skills that we talk about in an English department in your everyday life so I'm finding that very rewarding one of my major goals would be that basically students have confidence and ownership in the concepts and ideas that we talk about in class that's always my goal just an ideal class would be that we can all share kind of like our nerd fandom and, and celebrate that enthusiasm and I'll continue to try and hone that quality of class. That sounds solid. Yeah, I guess, um, but I guess my dream course, as it were, would be the one I always request every year, but they're not, (laughs) they don't let me teach it. Um, Maybe one day, which is just the, uh, they have, it's called the global slash world lit. And it's just, Mm. it's in my area of of specialization. And I want to teach it not, I want to teach it like in a very, uh, kind of like non-canonical way. Like I have, a, there's a lot of theories about world lit and there's a lot of new theories that sort of try to break up this, this traditional kind of European canon. And a lot of the texts I would want to pick, I want to do that with a very close reading aspect to say like, how do you read a world in these texts that are often talking about very specific or particular things. And I think of, um, I think of authors like Jamaica Kincaid. I think of, um, I have a list out here. Um, mm. I think of um, uh, authors like um, uh, the one who wrote No Telephone to Heaven, Michelle Cliff. That's a really good book. 
Um, and that whole, there's a series too with that book. So you could read the, like um, some other novels by her as well. And then um, um, I think of uh, Gabriel Garcia Marquez, um, even just the exploration of, you know, how World Let was associated with modernism. Mm -hmm. But then also, um, I, I think uh, there's a really good book I'd recommend too, that I think would be one of the big books of the classes, Love, Anger, Madness by um, Marie Vu uh, Chavez. And I just been reading it recently and maybe that's why it's on my mind. And it is just so, uh, it's, 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 a, it's a Haitian novel and it's a very interesting novel. Has a, has a, I like this idea of having individuals with a perspective that sees parts of the, uh, other parts of the world. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really good novel for that. Plus it's a really sexy novel too. It's like, it's got a lot of uh, cool stuff in it. Like in terms of like, uh, it's, well, it's a lot, a lot of sexual stuff, but also like, it's also, just really well written and really, um, really beautiful. Um, and sort of, these are why I like these texts too, particularly is because they're, they're, um, they're often underappreciated, but they have mm -hmm. uh, incredible literary merit, but they're often underappreciated because they just don't fit into um, the kind of traditional canon. And so I feel like students would really get a lot from that in a course like that. And, and, yeah. and, and a book, somebody who talked about it in a book was um, this guy, um, um, uh, Shay, who talked about, he wrote a book called What is a World? And he, he talked about teaching a course like this. And that's kind of the course I'd want to teach, which is a course that a non canonical kind of world lived course. That would be awesome. They should let you teach that, that course, Alex. Um, so. I, th I hope so. Uh, <laughs> I agree. I agree, Paige. Okay, well, what was your dream course for today? Okay, so, oh, yeah, in the past, I've taught um, Black Women's Literature. Bothering on the body, and in this uh, contest, we're looking at um, the issues that connect Black women across um, different geographical locations and how they survive all these issues. So I would love to, you know, go a little step higher. So this time around, I'm going to look at the folklore, you know, of women in this text, and uh, because um, in different culture uh this you know in different culture they have different you know traditions you know cultures regard to women so i'm really interested in you know looking at this you know this different culture different material culture or women folklore across different geographical locations and how many changes you know the different you know women folklore in Africa is different from those in the Caribbean, is different from those in the African-American. So I'm going to look at the connections, what connects this uh, women's together in terms of this folklore, and also the differences, you know, how they were able to substitute, you know, all the slaves they brought from Africa to the new world, how, I know they came with their own culture, but some of this culture they had to you know, blending, they have to look for a new way of adapting to the situation. So they have to change. So I'm looking, I'm interested in those, you know, substitution, you know, what they left, you know, with their, you know, in their country, in their continent, and what, you know, um, the new culture that they, um, um, the new culture that they were able to use here or to substitute whatever culture that they have. So that aspect of culture, I'm really interested, you know, to incorporate that into uh, my future classes. I know I, I thought, like, I, women literature will look at the issues across, but this time around, I want to look at it from the, you know, the cultural aspects, the folklore of women, you know, 
what they have in their own culture and you know what they have now in the new world the differences and um you know and what they still maintain you know in terms of material culture the oral traditions and all that because i remember when i was um what really brought this into my head is when i was uh, when i i was pregnant of my first child and i have a couple of friends who were african-american and when i tell them that oh when you're pregnant you don't do this and they were like really no this is not so this is what <laughs> it is in our own culture so i was like okay well, they look the same, but they're different. So I'm really, really interested. Like, okay, I've, I've been doing some research about that and I'm still working on those, but those are the things that I'm really interested to see how, you know, I can put into my class in the future, you know, and uh, yeah. I would take all three of those classes. I was yeah. thinking, I was thinking that exact same thing. Yeah, I would take any of these. Well, thank you all again for talking with us today. I'm excited to check in with you all again in the future and also hear how, you know, your, your teaching has changed, whether it's based off evals or not, and whether you have gotten to teach your dream course yet. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Thank you, guys. Thank, thank you for having me. us. Yeah. Thank you. Bye-bye.